Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Well, as you've probably heard by now, Congress passed an even worse, from the perspective of civil liberties and electronic privacy for Americans, an even worse renewal of Section 702 of the FISA law than existed before. Although a number of senators did try to get the Senate leadership to allow debate on this bill and allow senators to offer amendments which might make it somewhat less bad, they fell one vote short of enabling a filibuster which would have made debate and amendment of the bill possible. Sixty senators, including both main senators, King and Collins, voted for cloture, cutting off any debate, and so the Senate passed the bill that the House had already passed, and for six more years we will all be more surveilled by the government, at least legally, than ever before. On the other hand, 38 senators initially, and 35 finally, voted against this bill. So perhaps at least some elected representatives are beginning to feel that enough is enough, and that at least some Americans still believe in the value of the Fourth Amendment in the electronic realm, though not enough of them as it turned out, but at least some. So, it's time to watch what you say on the phone, or what you text, or write online, or send as an email, especially, but not exclusively, if you happen to be communicating with someone who is not in the U.S. All of those materials are likely to be collected by the NSA, and quite possibly made available to the FBI and the DEA, among other organizations. Some people are happy that Big Brother is watching and listening to our electronic communications. If you don't happen to be one of them, it's probably wise to be aware of what our representatives have just done. Meanwhile, our digital world is moving at an amazing pace when it comes to machine learning and artificial intelligence. As with electronic government surveillance, our technology is outstripping our laws. But there are efforts underway to try to find ways to better understand how artificial intelligence really works, what it means for our everyday lives, and how to put some ethical and legal perspective into this fast-moving part of our world. On previous programs, we've noted that artificial intelligence, or AI, is playing a bigger and bigger role in how important decisions are being made in our everyday lives. Banks, insurance companies, employers, police departments, our court systems, and dozens of other organizations that we deal with every day are using AI to help decide if we, for example, get a mortgage, or how much we pay for insurance, or whether we get bail if we're arrested, and how long a prison term we get if we're convicted. The dirty secret in all of these instances is that the bankers, employers, police, or judges really have no idea how these AI systems work. In fact, in most cases, neither do the people who designed the systems in the first place. After all, the genius of an artificially intelligent system is that once it's put in motion, it learns by itself and figures out how to make decisions without additional human input. And what these systems can do can really be amazing. But what's even more amazing is that we can't tell for sure if their decisions are really wrong or right. And we sure can't tell how the machines arrived at those decisions. 
Now some organizations are trying to make the process that AI uses to reach decisions that affect people's lives in critically important ways more transparent. The New York City Council, for example, recently passed a law that would establish a task force that will study how city government agencies use algorithms that can affect people's lives and whether those algorithms seem to discriminate against some groups based on race or gender or religion or sexual orientation or citizenship status or something else. Why would the city council even bring up such a law and then pass it? Quite simply, because algorithms can be just as biased and error-prone as the people who designed them. We discussed on a previous program the book Weapons of Math Destruction, which looked at how algorithms play a huge part in deciding who even gets an interview for a job, who gets a mortgage, or who gets a low rate on home insurance, and who pays more. All of these algorithmic AI systems can, and often do, have built-in biases that can affect our daily lives in very big ways. Now, additional analyses are appearing in other books, such as The Black Box Society, and, very recently, the rise of big data policing. Algorithms, which are increasingly used by the criminal justice system, turn out to often be racially biased based on the data that the systems are built on, or on the unconscious assumptions and prejudices of the people who design the systems. These systems are often used to decide who gets arrested, who gets bail, who gets light sentences, who gets long ones. Data is, of course, very important in criminal justice as it is in other realms. But data by itself is no guarantee of anything. Consider a peer-reviewed paper published in Science Advances in January of 2018 entitled The Accuracy, Fairness, and Limits of Predicting Recidivism. The abstract from that article provides a large serving of food for thought. The authors compared the performance of a widely used system that supposedly predicts recidivism, called Compass, and that of a group of people essentially off the street. Quote, Algorithms for predicting recidivism are commonly used to assess a criminal defendant's likelihood of committing a crime. Those predictions are used in pretrial, parole, and sentencing decisions. Proponents of these systems argue that big data and advanced machine learning make these analyses more accurate and less biased than humans. We show, however, that the widely used commercial risk assessment software Compass is no more accurate or fair than predictions made by people with little or no criminal justice expertise. End quote. So, here we have a situation in which we not only don't know how a machine learning AI system actually works, it also doesn't seem that that system is any more fair or accurate than just plain regular old folks. Artificial intelligence and machine learning are becoming a bigger and bigger part of the decisions that affect our daily lives, whether we know it or not. So how can we ensure that those systems treat everyone fairly? and are accurate in their assessments when we don't know how they even work in any detail? That's a very fair and a very big question. Some organizations are trying hard to come up with answers, 
and we'll take a look at how far along they are to finding them right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. <laughs>